Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. We have plenty of Flyers talk for you. We're going to dive into the Flyers maybe missing Matt Niskanen a little more than I think everyone maybe anticipated. Uh, We're going to look at some positives, some concerns, which of the two outweigh the other. Uh, And we also have an awesome interview with Taryn Hatcher and Oscar Lindblom as we celebrate men's health this month at NBC Sports Philadelphia. Taryn is joined by Oscar Lindblom to discuss the Flyers winger's life since his cancer diagnosis in December 2019 and what he went through in 2020 battling Ewing sarcoma. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. But Joe, let's get into the Flyers a little bit with their 3-1-1 start. Coming off a 5-4 shootout loss, to the Boston Bruins at TD Garden. It was their first row game. It was on Thursday. They have Boston again on Saturday coming up. They blew two third-period leads, Joe. Uh, could not close the deal. And lost a tough one in a skills competition. So you feel like you're right there. But it's still a really crushing loss in many ways um, because you know that you had the game possibly sealed in that third period. And once again, there are some defensive issues with this team. They allowed four goals in that third period. Uh, They allowed 40-plus shots in back-to-back games now. Joe, they are allowing the – entering Friday, they were allowing the second-to-most shots in the league per game. Do you feel like they're missing Matt Niskanen? Do you think this team is missing Matt Niskanen? Or is it simply just, hey, it's very early. It's five games into the season. Uh, I I think it's – it'd be impossible to say they're not missing Matt Niskanen. And I think even from the perspective of – I feel like when a guy like Niskanen is out there, he makes guys like Provorov better. And maybe Provorov hasn't been as noticeable because he's not playing with a guy like Niskanen. Now, the natural thing is to compare the guy who isn't here and the guy who now is here. That's Eric Gustafson. We saw the good in Eric Gustafson in the first couple games. I think we've seen some causes for concern with him in his own zone in the game since those first couple games. And um, 
you know, there's definite reason for concern here because I don't, if Ivan Provorov's the leader of your defense, let's remember, Ivan's still a really young guy. So your defense has a lot of younger players, and I don't really feel like you have a uh, veteran leader in that defense core now like Niskanen was. So I think there's a lot of aspects where you could say the Flyers are missing a guy like Matt Niskanen for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, this Flyers team allowed the fewest shots per game in the league last year, in the entire league, the fewest shots per game. And that's a testament to what Elaine Vigneault did in year one with his system. It's a testament to Matt Niskanen, Kevin Hayes, um, some of the acquisitions they made, and obviously the group that was already here. They really shored up what they wanted to do systematically, and it, 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 it gave them the opportunity to play a lot more offense, play a lot less defense, make life easy on your goalie. Uh, when you're living in the offensive zone, you're not playing defense. The Flyers are playing a lot of defense right now. Five games in, I, I'm definitely a little concerned because I think when you go from the team that's allowing the fewest shots in the league to allowing the second most shots in the league, um, that's not just, you know, five to ten rankings difference. That's, that's the entire league. Um, Ivan Provorov did say on Friday that he praised Matt Niskanen. He, he said all that Niskanen did was huge for the Flyers on and off the ice. But he believes that without the preseason, there was no preseason games, obviously the very abbreviated shortened camp. So this is almost sort of like a preseason. Like they're getting out – they're kind of ironing out some of the rust, um, shaking off the rust. Maybe that's the case. And when it comes from a guy like Provorov, who's really the leader of defense now, uh, that has to be comforting, I think, for Flyers fans. But uh, it's something to watch. But, Joe, it has this kind of thinking. The Flyers are 3-1-1. One, and one. That's, not a bad, that's not a bad record to start compared to what we've seen from them in years past. But at the same time, it feels like maybe we're talking more about concerns and positives. You feel like one of those two kind of outweigh the other. Well, a couple things. So with what Provorov said, you know, about um, this is like a preseason – that may be the case, but the problem is the points count. And there are teams across the league that didn't get a preseason that are off to flying starts. So you have, you know, you have that balance there where, and I think the other thing to look at is I don't know of a team that's won the Stanley cup whose recipe for success was to win games in a shootout. And I'm not talking about a literal shootout. I'm talking about a high-scoring game. I don't think that's a recipe for success, particularly when it comes to the playoffs. And this is what the Flyers' wins are becoming. They're becoming these games where they have to score five, six goals to win. That's not what you want to get yourself into because when the scoring dries up, like, okay, so if you look at the stats from these games, yes, they're giving up a lot of shots, but the other thing that's staggering is they're not getting a lot of shots. No. For example, like last night's game, game one against Boston, they had three shots in the first period. That's not going to get it done. No. So I think the shot, allowing the shots becomes more concerning when you put in there them not getting shots. And particularly in the power play last night, we saw last night in the first period a power play where they had zone time and they didn't get any shots. So I think there's a little bit of thing like uh, guys passing up opportunities, not taking advantage of opportunities that are in front of them. These are things that obviously can be fixed. And I think that's where the, this is the preseason um, 
type of thinking can come into play where guys are hesitant to pull the trigger on, on opportunities they might be given. So I think that's where that type of thinking can, can definitely come into play and, and, and these things can be fixed. So no, it's not the end of the world, but um, I think that you, if you take the things that are the most glaring and you pair them with some of the other things, then you have, you definitely have some, uh, Elaine Dino has his work cut out for him. That, that's what I'll say. All month long, NBC Sports Philadelphia presents Headstrong, Men's Health and Sports Headstrong, a series about men's health told through powerful stories involving the athletes we love. Learn more on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com slash Headstrong. Yeah, Joe, and, and, and to clarify what Provrov was saying on Friday was, he wasn't saying, obviously, these games don't matter. As you mentioned, Joe, these, you know, these are points up for, grab, up for grabs in a shortened 56-game regular season. They are, those points should be valued like gold. Um, but what he was saying was, hey, we did not have a preseason. Typically, you get maybe five, six, seven games in the preseason uh, to really feel like yourselves. And he feels, hey, losing a guy like Matt Niskanen and then trying to replace him, finding what works, finding the chemistry, um, finding your systematic strengths can take a little bit of time. And that – he believes they'll be even better uh, down the road here than they were last year. But he, he admitted, hey, it's early. But, Joe, how much do we also have to consider the fact of, hey, these last two games, the 3 nothing win over the Sabres and the 5-4 shootout loss to the Bruins, both games 40 or more shots. At the same time, though, the Flyers played the second and third periods against the Sabres with five defensemen. And then against the Bruins, they played the third period uh, overtime. Um, with five defensemen, even part of that second period, they, they had five defensemen, obviously with Mark Freeman leaving the game. Do we have to contribute to the fact that, yes, they are missing Matt Niskanen, but they are also shorthanded, and they don't have Sean Couturier either? I, I think that's a great point, um, because we, we had plenty of discussion on the pregame show with Scott Hartnell about, you know, after the first game without Couturier, they allow six goals, and is it, is it time to panic? And, and maybe, it wa- maybe it was, but then we see Elliot, you know, stand on his head. So the, the goaltending can always be the great equalizer. Um, and even in these games where they're allowing goals, you've seen Carter Hart make clutch saves, huge saves at huge times in the game. Last night was a perfect example. The Flyers tie the game, and then he has to make a huge – and he got some help from Justin Braun, who made a, a great play from his knees to get the puck out of the crease – you know, you, he makes big saves at big times. And I think that is a, that is something that's not going to show up in the stat sheet because you just see saves. You don't see when those saves were made. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely contributing to it. If you're playing better parts of a game, short of defensemen, you're obviously without Couturier, Morgan Frost gets hurt. So you're even thinner at the, the center position um, you, you know, it's really, it, it, you have to look at it. So, I mean, that's definitely a, okay, if they were at full strength and they're not missing Myers and they're not missing Friedman, who's replacing Myers, who gets hurt and misses a good portion of the game, uh, the first game against Boston. I mean, it's, it's really, it's definitely a factor here because you have less of the, um, I mean, you have tired legs on the ice at times. And we saw that happen last night you know, in the third period and particularly in overtime, you had guys that were out there just, they couldn't get off the ice. Um, so 
it's definitely something you have to look at and say, you know, that's going to get better. Yeah, and Ivan Provod played 30, 30 plus minutes in the 5 4 shootout loss to the Bruins. It just shows you how shorthanded they are right now. We know Provod eats up minutes and he's going to act like it's nothing, but that's a lot of minutes. Um, and it's because they're so shorthanded. And I think the Flyers will, Flyers fans, and I think the Flyers will absolutely take where they are in terms of record. It's 3 1 and 1. Um, and you give and, and you consider the fact that they've been outshot in all five of their games. Four of those games have been by double-digit margins in terms of being outshot. And they're 3-1-1. One, and one. and they, Man, they're two third-period blown leads away from being 4-1-0. Uh, and oh. and um, I think they're going to understand, hey, it is early, and we're still 3-1. and one. We're still 3-1-1 one, and one considering all things, considering we lost Matt Niskanen, we're trying to figure out what works there. We lost Sean Couturier. Um, we lost Philip Myers, Morgan Frost. Uh, they've faced some adversity in their three, one, and one, but they need to figure it out. They got to figure out um, how things are going to work. How are they going to divvy up Matt Niskin's responsibilities? Because what I thought made the fire so impressive last year was Vigneault's system was that, man, they look like they were outplaying teams more often than not. They were constantly living in the offensive zone. They were seldom in getting pinned in the defensive zone. They were just constantly forechecking and attacking you. Um, and it just looks like a different team right now. Uh, 22 shots by the Bruins in that third period, Joe. That's insane, right? Yeah, and uh, and, and and I'll say this about uh, particularly about this game one with the Bruins. This is not the Bruin like the big bad Bruins. This is uh, a, a, a slim down version of them. Um, when you think about David Pasternak was their leading goal scorer, he was he's injured and hasn't um, played at all this season yet. Um, you have guys like Zdeno Chara and. Tory Krug, who left in free agency. These are two pillars on their power play. They aren't there anymore. So you, you don't have a lot of the ingredients that have been in recent Boston teams where they seem so unstoppable. Of course, you have Patrice Bergeron. You saw him last night in the face-off circle. He was dominant. I, 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 um, Nolan Patrick was the only guy that had success against him in the face-off circle last night. So you had you have Bergeron, you have Marchand, who's always in the mix there. And you saw in one of the Bruins goals, just Marchand's presence pulled Kevin Hayes away from the net and allowed, uh, you know, for there to be more room to work down there and they end up scoring a goal. But I think when you, there's some coaching points to pull out of that game last night. And I'm sure Elaine Vigneault is doing just that. You had a Boston Bruins team that had zero even strength goals coming into the game and then last night they scored two even strength goals within a minute of each other. And, you know, that has to open eyes. And I think Elaine Vigneault can look at the film and say, okay, guys, we got up two nothing. And then we just completely, we, we had a sort of a lull and they made us pay. There's, there's, everybody's an NHL player, right? So they're going to, if you leave these guys alone or you, 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 you play soft, it's going to come back to bite you. It did last night, and then luckily the Flyers got energized and got back, and they were at least able to salvage a point out of that game. But I definitely think there are some, some points of emphasis there um, that you can take away. I think last night's game may be the most coachable game afterwards that they've had yet this season, in my opinion. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Joe, I wanted to ask you, 
goaltending. Are you concerned at all about Carter Hart? Um, you know, he gets pulled uh, in that first game against Buffalo on Tuesday night in the second period. I don't think that was all on him. I think that was more of a we're, pouring, we're pulling our goalie to kind of send a message to the team. Uh, and then he gives up four third-period goals against the Bruins. I think when you look at it, um, Hart actually has been pretty decent. He hasn't been good, but he's been decent. And then Brian Elliott obviously was a stud with that 40-save shutout. The Flyers are really, you know, if they don't get some really good goaltending there, they're probably not 3-1-1 one, one, given they've been outplayed in some of the wins that they've had. Are you concerned at all about Carter Hart? I'm personally not. Uh, I would say I'm not concerned about Carter Hart for a, a couple reasons. And one of them I alluded to earlier he doesn't get rattled. So, you know, he, he might give up goals, but then he makes that huge save and a huge moment after the Flyers tie the game. So a rattled goaltender, you would think would give up another goal there and they lose in regulation. Um, so to me, he's never shown himself to be a guy that really gets rattled. And then last night, the perfect example, the Bruins come out with a barrage of goals and then he's able to make a huge save that preserves a point gets the game to overtime and, you know, he couldn't, Tuka Rask was so good in that overtime last night. Hart had to match him. He, he, Hart couldn't have messed up this much or they lose the game in overtime. So, you know, he had to match him and, and he was able to, and I don't think that that's the sign of a guy that's um, lacking in confidence, I'll say. And, you know, you watch him talk after the game. I, I don't, I don't get the sense he's lacking confidence. When you're giving up this many shots per game, uh, your goalie's going to let some goals in. And, you know, it's good to have Brian Elliott back there too and know that, you know, his first appearance, appearance was a shutout. So maybe that gives him some confidence and they can get, you know, they can spell Carter Hart because he's had some major workloads in the games he's played. Yeah, you think about it, Tuka Resk made 22 saves on uh, Thursday night. Obviously, that includes overtime. Carter Hart faced 22 shots alone in that third period. It just shows you what kind of pressure Hart was under there. And like you said, Joe, uh, if you're giving up 40, you know, 37 to 40 shots, right now the Flyers are giving up 37.4 per game, I believe, uh, second most in the league. When you're giving up that high of, high of a volume of shots, you know, the goalie can only be perfect for so long. Um, I think, Joe, if the Flyers come out and they, they come out with a really strong performance Saturday against the Bruins and they look more like themselves. And the thing is, they, they definitely have not played a complete game yet. That's, 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 I think, a fact. And we've seen them play complete games. So the fact they have three wins without playing a complete game in five is a pretty good sign. Uh, you'll take that. But if they come out and they play well Saturday and they win, I think people are going to totally forget about Thursday. Uh, but if they don't, then all of a sudden Thursday kind of stings a little bit. You're thinking, man, that could have been a really – Big road win, uh, TD Garden, uh, 4-1-0 start. Instead, you know, you only get a point. But I think Saturday will be awfully telling. Uh, and we'll have to see if the Flyers can continue to get by without some, some, key, some key players. Yeah, I think uh, – and this might sound weird to say this. I think the Flyers need to win like – they need a 3-1 win, a 3-2 win, a 4-2 win. They need to sh to a win that's kind of almost boring – yeah. Not a win where they need to score six goals to win the game or they need to win the game in overtime. You, you, well, I mean, unless it's a low-scoring game, but you, you need a win where you get a lead and you lock down the lead and you, yeah. and, you, and you show big defensive plays, big saves at big time, which they're already getting. 
things like that. You, you want to see a solid effort, like you mentioned, a full game. You want to see that. We haven't seen it yet, and I think one of those would go a long way to show everybody that, that, that they're capable of that type of game. Absolutely. Capable of winning low-scoring games where the pressure is on and you're trying to close out a one- or two-goal lead uh, when it really matters, and you can do that. I thought they did that a lot last season, and it spoke volumes about them, uh, and we just have not seen that same team yet. And, again, missing Matt Niskanen, uh, he is not coming back. Sean Gattorier, the Flyers are hoping, will be back in maybe two weeks. Uh, it was last Saturday that they announced his two, minimum of two weeks that he'll be out with that rib injury. But we shall see. But one guy that's been really, really, really fun to watch, Joe, for so many reasons. One, he's playing well. And two, just to see him back out there. Oscar Limblom, uh returning uh, in full form. And he's been playing well for the Flyers. Uh, he was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma in December 2019. Battled that up until July when he, was, uh, when he finishes uh, radiation treatment. Uh, we know he returned in the, uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs for games six and seven against the Islanders. But uh, that was incredible and courageous of him. But obviously, he did not really have time to build his body back up. Uh, he did that in the offseason, had a full offseason to really get himself back. Uh, and he is back with the Flyers and looking like himself, and it's been fun. Uh, Joe, can you tell us, tell our listeners, when they can watch the Oscar Lindblom interview? Uh, we will play it here also on the podcast, but you can see it as well during the broadcast. Joe, give them a glimpse of that, please. Yeah, so it, it's not only the interview with Lindblom, it, it, it's a feature uh, um, that we've, we've broken into three parts. And, and it really goes through Lindblom's whole journey. Uh, I mean, you hear Lindblom say it, it started off as a great season, referring to 2019 before he got the diagnosis. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was second on the team in scoring when he got the diagnosis, he, and he may have had the most goals on the team. Yeah, I think he was tied for the team leading goals of 11 with Konecki. Yeah, so he starts with that, and then, you know, he goes into his diagnosis and talks about his support system, and we hear from guys like Robert Haig and, um, you know, everybody that was there from him along, uh, with him along the way, what it meant to him for to see bitter rivals like Penguins and Devils and everybody joining in that Oscar Strong movement that was so um, – uh, that was so publicized and what that meant to him and really like what the, the hockey family and what his, you know, support system from within the sport, as well as the fan support, what that all meant to him. Um, so we'll hear, you can hear his thoughts all on that. We're going to have some in the pregame show and then we'll have some in both intermission reports um, with Taryn Hatcher and Al Morgani tomorrow night. So we will have uh, a, a full day of Oscar Lindblom coverage. I should mention too, He's going to uh, uh, speak with Jim Jackson when he arrives at the arena tomorrow night um, for our pregame show as well. So we'll hear plenty from Oscar and, uh, you know, his story continues to be an inspiration for everyone, not only hockey players, but just anyone and, and, and anyone who's battled cancer, which, you know, it's a, it's a disease that's touched everyone. Let's get into that interview with Oscar Limbaum. It's part of our NBC Sports Initiative this month, Headstrong Focusing on Men's Health. Fans, we hope you enjoy it. So if you had to describe your journey over the past year to someone who's not super familiar with your story, how, how would you describe everything you've been through and what it's taught you? I mean, like hockey-wise, I started off good. Uh, started off playing pretty good hockey during the first couple of months. Then uh, it turned around quick during December, and I met the doctors, and uh, 
did all the scans and I told me I got cancer. Like I didn't, you know, like I didn't feel like I got cancer. I felt good and starting treatment the last day of December. Then it was just a treatment for six months, maybe more, seven almost. So with chemotherapy and, uh, and surgery. So it's been a long year, but I feel feel better than ever and better than ever to be here in Philly and being around the guys. How important was the mental part of your approach to everything in kind of getting you back here and getting you healthy and successful again? And, and how were you able to maintain a healthy mental attitude? I mean, I think I'm, I've been like that my, my whole life. I'm trying to be positive and I told my, my, my parents right away that uh, like you, you guys have to be positive, otherwise it's gonna be tough to me to to be positive. So I always had that attitude and I'm trying to see everything in a, in a good way. So I just felt when I started, I guess kind of through this six months, then hopefully I can be healthy for the rest of my life. And I had an attitude through the whole thing and, and it worked for me and I'm trying to, to spread that uh, happiness too to other people that are going through the same type of stuff as me. Was there anything you did or, or anything you kind of tried to remind yourself of when you were having kind of those, those tougher days, those down days? Was there something that, that you did or people helped you do to kind of get you back into that mental, that positive place? I mean, I, I always looked forward to play, play hockey again, and I knew I'm going to make it through it, and hopefully I can be at, at the same level I've been at before. But otherwise, people writing a message to me like, could be whoever it could be a, a nice kid somewhere or a parent that's, that's writing to me and saying i'm i'm such a big inspiration to to them or someone else in their surroundings so that makes you feel so much better too and make you get our energy back and try and stay stay positive as long as you can so that's been a huge part of it i was gonna ask what is that like because you're still so young but you really did have so many people even people who aren't really hockey fans that kind of attach themselves to you and your story as a way to inspire them. How, how did that sit with you? How did that feel for you? At first it was weird. Like I tried to be in my own little bubble and I didn't want to talk to anyone really. So then after a while I felt like I have to, I have to do something here. If I can help someone else or they can help me, why not? So I talked to a couple of people and trying to help as many as I could, but it's hard to, to help everyone. But as long as I can, if I could put a post on my Instagram and say something nice or whatever, and it's going to help someone, that's, that's going to make me happy. So, I mean, it hasn't been hard in that way. It's been the treatments that have been trying to push you down, but it's always nice to have someone around you that help you, helps you feel better. On that note, I want to ask about Robert and, and his part in a lot of this. I remember interviewing him in Minnesota after your diagnosis had just been announced. And it was pretty clear that it really affected him right away and that he he so badly almost kind of wanted to carry some of the weight of the situation for you. How did Robert kind of help you throughout this recovery and journey back to playing? And how much did his friendship mean to you during a really rough time? I mean, he means everything to me. Even since I got here, my first year, he took care of me. And ever since that, he's been my best friend here. And uh when everything happened, he was there the, the first night when I got the call and uh, talked to the doctor, he was there with me. So he's been there through the whole thing. And same as his girlfriend, Clara, too. They've been there for us the whole time and helped my girlfriend when she needed help. So, I mean, I can't, I can't thank them enough for what they've done to me. And I, 
I mean, it's our little Swedish family in, in Philly, so it couldn't have been better to have them here. I have a Swedish family follow-up question, but I'm going to save it for last because okay, Robert laughed pretty hard at it too. Um, it was really interesting because once the Oscar Strong kind of saying got out there and the slogans were out there, we saw it from everyone across the NHL to NBA players. And it felt like just everywhere in sports, people were just rallying behind you. What did it mean to see different NHL players even the day of a game against the Flyers, get the shirts, put them on, get the word out to support. It's awesome. You can just feel that hockey family get together and support me. I, I, I didn't think it was going to be that big when we first uh, released the news from, from the Flyers here. Then it was just everywhere. Like, I didn't expect that, to be honest. And like you said, see all the NHL players doing that too. That was, uh, that was unreal. And it's something I'm never going to forget. So I can't thank them enough either to, to spread the word and do something good for the community. It's it's interesting because you did get this mag this giant magnifying glass just this placed on you at a time you said you were trying to sort of bubble up and keep to yourself. How did you manage dealing with both of those emotions? It was hard because some days it's hard to feel bad and you feel like you don't want to do anything or trying to you talk or you think for yourself negative thoughts and I, I felt like i want to be at home i didn't want to see anyone i didn't want to talk to anyone but then my girlfriend she she got a lot of energy so she brought me out on the walks and all that so with my with our dog so that helped and i mean it's different for everyone like different diagnosis and all that but that's what i was telling to everyone that i'm talking to like be positive it's not, it's not going to be any easier if you're thinking ne negative thoughts so Talk to people around you that are positive and like this, that's going to help you a lot. I promise you that's one of the biggest things. I love that your girlfriend is your, your permanent cheer upper. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, what do you feel like you learned about yourself over the past year? I would imagine it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's the same for everyone that got through something like me. I mean, you think about life in a different way. Uh, you try to take every day as a, as a good day. Even now, like I, I remember before, we just go to practice and think, oh, I'm so tired today. And like, and now it's just like another day with the guys, like be happy, living your best life and playing hockey in the best league in the world. Like, what, what can be wrong? Like, it's small stuff like that that's help you think. Just live life. It's, it's fun. Enjoy it when you can. On that note, what do you feel like you learned about your teammates? Obviously, we, we know Robert's Part in your journey but it really seemed like everybody got so so much closer after kind of wanting to support you yeah like you said we got so much closer i felt like even though we were close team before but after that even though i wasn't there a lot they they may make me feel like i'm on the team even though i was home for almost every game i think i thought saw three games so i felt like i was still on the team even though i wasn't there so it just made me so much so much uh more happier and just sitting at home and I see all the guys having fun even though I'm not there so we're, we're a tight group and uh, I love this group and I think like everyone else in this team does too so can't be better. Uh, I find this question really interesting because I would imagine that your answer to this wouldn't be different but it, it could be a successful 2021 season for you looks like what? Yeah, Good question let's get back on the on the same track as I was to start off good last year and 
I mean, we've got a great team. So just uh, if we do this, the right things here, we're going to have a good chance to go far in the playoffs and like everyone else want to win the, the Stanley Cup. But it's a, it's a far way to go and uh, but hopefully we can uh, give it a good push here. If you had a message for all the fans that support you and obviously support the team as well, what would you want to say to them? I mean, I just want to thank them. I mean, the Flyers fan of the best in the league and uh, they showed how good they were, even though I didn't play. They were texting me or messaged me on Instagram, like they were everywhere. And like you can see them everywhere. And it just made me so much more happy during that time. And uh, I can't thank them enough for, for what they did for me. And to follow up on the Swedish family question, and this is the last question, how do you guys top the ABBA Halloween costumes? Because that was oh. all time amazing. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're Next more guys. Year. yeah, we're more guys here now, more Swedish taking over. So uh, we have to figure something out at least. Have to oh, you you got to. Robert said it was all the girlfriends who came up with it, and just applause yeah. to them. I look forward yeah. to what you do next October. Yeah, we'll see. I need to talk to them. I need to start. <laughs> there are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Incredible, incredible stuff from Oscar Lindblom, uh, the Flyers' 24-year-old winger, uh, Swedish native, always smiling, uh, even throughout his battle with Ewing's sarcoma, he was always smiling whenever we got a chance to see him, um, especially young man, Joe. Yeah, and when you hear things like you heard him in that interview there when uh, he was asked about advice or um, a message to people, and he says simple things like, enjoy life. Um, you know, you don't know how long you have, this type of stuff, so enjoy every minute of it. These are simple, basic messages but they're messages that people don't think about enough. Because if you really sit back and think about it and you, and you think about this as a guy who has gone through much more than most people his age have already gone through, and that his message is, is something that simple, it really, really puts things in perspective. Um, I, I couldn't have been more impressed um, with that interview I, I was on there with Taryn. That was uh, during our media day. It was, and that was a, around 9.30 in the morning on a Sunday. And I, I was, you know, almost sitting there in awe listening to him talk to Taryn that day. So it was, uh, it was very eye-opening. And, you know, like I said, gives you a lot of perspective on life. Yeah, incredible dose of perspective there. Oscar Lindblom's story. And it's so exciting. I remember when he uh, signed his uh, three-year extension in July, shortly after he completed his radiation treatments. Uh, General Manager of the Flyers, Chuck Fletcher, said, they wholeheartedly believe in Oscar Lindblom, and they believe his best years are ahead. And that's just so exciting to see, given uh, you go back to December 2019, that scary, shocking news of his diagnosis. And people were wondering, uh, not only would he play hockey again, but uh, you worry about his life. And here he is, best years ahead of him in his career. Uh, special thank you to Oscar Lindblom and Taryn Hatcher. And Joe Fordyce, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your insight of that interview and your insight on the Flyers. We cannot wait to watch pre- and post-game live coming up here for future games. Thank you for joining us. Ben Barry, a special thank you to our podcast producer as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. 
Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.